Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, I'm Lydia. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Adam. Let's talk Hoya. Hello, oh, everybody. Yes. Today, we have someone very special on the other line. Our guest, Vess, is here. Woo! <laughs> Hello. And we're super excited to have you on, Vess. Vess is, you know, has such great knowledge about so many topics when it comes to Hoya. And one of the ones that we've been intrigued about specifically has been about Croniana and Lacanosa mm-hmm. because that's, you know. <laughs> we've also had <laughs> listeners who jump into our DMs and ask, and I'm like, we'll see. We'll see if we ever talk about it. Yeah, so I think this is a highly going to be a highly anticipated episode. At least it is for me personally. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So we're super excited to have you, Vess. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my god, thank you for having me. And we'd love to know, you know, a little bit about you. Like tell our listeners about you, what it is that you do, and who's Vess. Perfect. Um, so really I'm just like an avid lover of these genera. Um it, it's honestly just like a, a passion project for me. I'm like totally a hobbyist, unprofessional. I don't have a degree in anything like that at all. Um, I think I've just hyper fixated now for what, like years leading to like an obsessive love and uh, <laughs> just like a yearn for a deeper understanding about these plants, you know? So uh, yeah, hard that's what same. I do. And I, and I like taking pictures. So. Yep. Hard same. i love that is there do you like in your mind remember when you first got into plans yes i do um i believe that it was around i want to say like 2017 or 2018 um and i had gotten my first plan i don't i don't even remember what it what it was now (laughs) i don't think um (laughs) definitely long dead Um, but you know, I mean, it was something really common and easy at like a local nursery. Um, and then, you know, quickly that snowballed into, I think like by the next year I was maniacally collecting aeroids, like, um, a lot of people were. Yes. (laughs) And that was, that was kind of like the deep end for me where I was like, okay, I'm into this, you know? I think that was around the same time that I started collecting. Although I do remember my first plant, which was a prayer plant, which big mistake. Oh. I drowned that right. thing right. so quickly. <laughs> Mine was a fiddle leaf fig, also big mistake. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my goodness. Mine was actually a little a regular posos because I remember growing up, my mom had one in the in the trailer, and it like went up around a big window and like into the ceiling. And I was like, if my mom can do it, I can do it. Nope, False. I still can't keep posos alive today. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I think the last photos I had, I just like um, habitually abused it, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they like that, you know. 
They're into it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you, do you, I guess, I know it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but like your love for Hoya, when did you just realize that that captured your heart instead of aeroids, like um, what you were into? Yeah, I think that was closer to like, I want to say like the end of 2019. Um, and it began whenever I, I was starting to learn about epiphytic myrmecophytes, which are like, um, ant plants that you know grow on oh. trees um, and so obviously like dishidia particularly goes hand in hand with that and so I was really getting into like these species of dishidia and then around that same time I had my first ever Hoya bloom which was a it was like a old Hoya carnosa compacta that I had um, and man there was just like no looking back from that once I saw the flower I was like this done is and done. like drugs. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. It really is. That's really what gets you. Yeah. And then I, I've always really loved taxonomy specifically. And that mm-hmm. just like carries over from whenever I was like, you know, a tiny little kid and memorizing all the binomial names of the dinosaurs and everything. So. Oh, so you were a dino boy. Oh, I was a dino boy. <laughs> so you're a nerd nerd. I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. That's the qualification. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so how do you feel about the representation of dinosaurs in Jurassic World? <laughs> oh, <laughs> because God. raptors are not that big. They're the size of a chicken. All right? Really? Yeah. Okay. This yeah. Is a chicken? Yes. Aren't the aren't the Velociraptors in the Jurassic series? They're based off of like a Deinonychus. It's like a a related species of raptor that's a lot larger. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, wow. so technically they they're supposed to be chicken, which I don't but know that would not make a good movie. I don't know what so. makes it scary, though, because something that vicious that size is kind of scary to me. Yeah, because it's going to oh, bite absolutely. me in the ankle and I'm out mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so, sorry for the sidebar. All right. Let's talk dino. <laughs> So you've always had a love for taxonomy. Um, Is there like a specific instance or like how did you, you know, like fall into Hoya research even specifically? Um, I think that like, you know, after I started to get that sort of maniacal, obsessive, like uh, collector and like hobbyist attitude towards Hoya, Mm -hmm. it was just sort of like the natural next step for my brain. Like I said, I've always just been like a lover of the sciences. Um, and I did, I made, I have made some wonderful friends in this community. And I made some really fantastic friends early on in like my journey of trying to gain a deeper understanding of the genus. And, uh, you know, those people are just like so helpful and inspiring and they keep you motivated. And, you know, they'll message you out of the blue with, you know, this little anecdote that they just dug into and then that like gets your brain all fired up and you're like, yeah. oh, what can I find? And, um, it's a lot of fun. And so I think I really I don't think I, I would have maintained such a uh, a love and a passion for this stuff if I didn't have people to share it with. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And that's a, that's beautifully said. I will say that you fall into that category of people you were explaining. Yes. For me, because um, I whenever I see your name pop up in my messages, especially if you're like telling me, okay, well, here's, you know, here's the real deal on this. I so appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's weird. Cause sometimes you don't, but I think you do it with such kindness and not like you're never, you're approachable. And it's not a, a situation of like, you're trying to make me feel like an idiot. You're just truly trying to educate. And, uh, that's a, oh, that's sure. a big quality I appreciate about you. So thank you. 
especially yeah, thank you with so much my for that. durian paranjan waterfall Langawai <laughs> Island. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that, though. That means a lot because I do think that there is this sort of um, sort of like current attitude among a certain like, I guess, demographic of the hobby where there's just like a real resistance to information or I guess information that differs from what you already believe to be true about something. And um I, I do. I, I try my best to be, you know, kind and approachable with the times where I choose to, you know, try and correct something or say something or even just like have a discussion. But I have gotten, you know, the people that are very hostile towards even the most <laughs> oh, gentle advances about things. You oh, know, and, gosh. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting topic. And I'm glad that you said that because that makes me feel um, really great about my approach. Yes. Yeah. I've never gotten bad vibes from you. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I have gotten bad vibes in the past, but from, from not people, from but you. not from you. No. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> as, as a serial hobbyist, I can tell you, and a person who loves joining Facebook groups of the most like random things you could think of, that happens in every little topic or hobby you can think of. Like, people being resistant to information people giving information very like not nicely so i love that we're able to connect with people in the hobby who are approachable who you know are willing to discuss things and are willing to build those um like information sharing without being hostile yeah Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it all just functions like a network, you know, just like a giant sponge where we can all communicate together, which I think is like the most beautiful part of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're like a fungus network. <laughs> like <laughs> we're a spore drive. OK, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we should we, you know, kind of jump into the topic a little bit what do you guys think, I think we okay I think we yeah well you know we'll have to start with the basics right of what is a lacanosa and That's what so is a i know it's so so broad but just so you know i mean i'm i always assume when i start these episodes thinking like everyone's seen a lacanosa everyone's seen a croniana but just for those people who may not know you know just i'm people very just very broadly just letting them know like hey this is what we're going to talk about but just very broadly this is what it is yeah for sure um so I think this is going to like definitely, I guess, like preface my overall opinion as we go through <laughs> talking about these two. Um, but I'm going to sort of speak about them together whenever I answer that question, even though I know that in some ways that might not be the most helpful, but in some ways it is. Mm. Um, but pretty much Croniana and Laconosa, uh, they're allied species, you know, possibly the same species of small-leafed hoya from um, the section autostemma, with Lacunosa actually being the type species of section autostemma. And the species within the section are categorized by, uh, they have very obvious, like, coronal skirts. Um, and I know that, like, uh, audibly, that might not paint, you know, the clearest <laughs> picture, but... Uh, we, you know, we know what the corona is. I think that, yeah, you, uh, there was an episode where you, uh, you guys, <laughs> you know, went over Hoya anatomy. Yeah. So I hope that the people listening now paid attention to that episode. Yeah. But, you know, the corona is the, it's like the inner star, the little, the little gem looking thing that we see on all the Hoya flowers. And 
it looks like what it sounds like. It's like a skirt that sort of comes down off of the lower face of the corona. And maybe, uh, I don't know if we're able to attach show notes. I mean, yes. uh, pictures yeah. pictures in the show notes. Absolutely. Okay, then yeah, we can include some pictures there. And um, so that will be something that people can look at. Um, but, and these species are usually very small flowered. Um, they usually have revolute corollas, which is like where it looks like that little ball shape, you know? Um, and Hoya laconosa specifically is a species of hybrid origin. So it would be, you know, not unsurprising if Hoya croniana was also of hybrid origin, but I, I, I personally haven't seen any confirmation of that because I, I don't know if, uh, Hoya croniana has even been, uh, molecularly tested or um, if its DNA has even been analyzed at this point. But like many other of these sort of like small, you know, um, Southeast Asian species, Lacunosa is known to inhabit ant gardens, which leads me to believe that it is probably like other small leaf species that don't form any sort of uh, domatia leaves or megadomatia, which are like the the ant house leaves are like modified anatomy to house ants. They probably do what species like Breviolata do, where they like will send their roots into those other chambers of, of the different myrmecophytic plants and will sort of have a like a hemiparasitic relationship with like the, you know, colony that's going on on the tree. So meaning like you have a, a, a plant that exhibits... Um, I can't, you just said the word, but the dome leaves. Oh yeah. Like the domatia. 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 So you have a plant that yeah. exhibits that and a lacanosa could be like next to it and be like, Hey, that looks like a nice place to get all the ant poop and just slides it, its roots in. And was like, I'm going to just chill here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. They're like preloaders. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no wonder, they like, no wonder why I love them. Just kidding. Right. <laughs> They're smart. They don't do all the work. <laughs> Exactly. They just benefit from it. So you said ant garden. Like what what is an ant garden? Is that just like out is that just basically an ant nest? Yeah, an ant garden, uh, from my understanding, is uh it's almost like a community of different myrmecophilus plants, um, where either, you know, they have the bare minimum level of affinity to the ants, like in the case of Hoya Lacanosa, where it's not really doing much of anything. It's just there because it knows it can benefit from it. Mm -hmm. um, all the way to, you know, highly advanced and modified species, um, species like uh, Myrmicodia and, uh, you know, your classic ant plants, those like giant bulbs where you, if you cut them open, it's like an ant farm, you know, mm. in the middle. And so, um, and, you know, there, there's, I mean, there's just an array of species that can inhabit ant gardens, but Hoya and obviously Dachidia, um, they make up a, a, you know, a significant portion of those plants that do inhabit the ant gardens. And um, Hoya lacunosa just happens to be one of those. Wow. That is really cool. Yeah. I know that. It reminds me when I was, I was talking to, um, oh my gosh, why is my brain not working this early in the morning? Do you need more coffee? Uh, he swears it's early. It's like <laughs> past 11. It's almost it's practically noon. Uh, Webergier. Oh. Uh, Karen. Karen. Um, who, Weiberg, Karen Weiberg. When I was talking yes. to her about Ted Green, she was talking to me about some stories about where they sent somebody up a tree to get a piece of a Hoya that they saw. And they were like, he came down and he was covered in ants. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, so I, like, thank you. Sometimes I forget that these plants that we all have in our home are like in nature. They're, they're yeah. like, they have this relationship with bugs and ants and 
they all are just together and living harmoniously. And That's I, cool. Absolutely. I, I kind of want to buy like a ant farm Don't now. Don't do it. No. And I was about to say, here we are trying to get rid of all no, the bugs. No, and use that soil <laughs> for my Hoya to see if it's like beneficial. No, yeah, you say that. That's like actually been one of my ideas for a long time. I want to like combine some of the ant species with like ant gardening. Ooh. I think that would be really cool. That would be cool. And you need to start a YouTube about that because I want to watch that. <laughs> that would be fun. Actually. I want to watch that, but I don't want ants in my house. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think it's um I think it's really interesting that you commented uh on, you know, your like usual blindness to knowing how like complicated the lives of some of these species are adam mm-hmm. um because i think that that's like uh one of my favorite things about like the ant species is that you know we always think about it with dishidia but um hoya are just as much like ant freaks as dishidia are you know there's um there's a ton of species that people don't associate with ants uh that are in fact you know mermecophytic and so I just want, I definitely wanted to, you know, mention that with Hoya lacunosa because I feel like that's something that whenever we look at Hoya lacunosa, we don't think about like, oh, this fascinating complex relationship it has to, yeah. you know, some of the other yeah. things in its environment. Wow. Yeah, that's Shout really out cool. to the ants. So I know you were saying when we're talking about lacunosa and croniana, in some ways, you know, you're wanting to refer them um, you know, kind of together. Are you mm-hmm. still okay with this kind of dividing the chat, just kind of talking about Lacanosa a little bit first and then jumping into Croniana? What do you think about yeah, that part? Okay. Absolutely. We can still do that. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like, you know, especially with Lacanosa, in the last, I don't know, like a year and a half now, mm-hmm. there has just been an explosion of absolutely different varieties <laughs> that have come out yeah. into the market and so um i think you know one of the fun things to talk about can just be like what do we even really make of that <laughs> <laughs> um that is a very good question because yeah i mean at this point it is very overwhelming whenever mm-hmm. you know you try to do like a, a market inventory for all of the different lacunosa that are popping up and in, from what I can gather, I think that a lot of, especially a lot of these like silver clones that are popping up with just like a random name every time that you see them. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm under the impression that those, most of those are just, uh, it's like a storm of forest vines. Mm-hmm. So these are forest collective plants that, you know, were found in C2 and they, you know, likely had the, the silver mutation on the plant whenever they were found. So it, it's not something that's being like cultivated and, and selected for. And they're just hitting the market, you know, with a myriad of names. Um, when, in my opinion, in reality, most of them should be given accession numbers or collection location data so that there's not just a million of these silver clone clones of Hoya lacunosa with, you know, just every name under the sun. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the variation in, in the leaves, you know, the size, the shape, the color, the exact uh, density of the splash, you know, all of those things are uh, very variable. So, you know, down the road, we're going to see where X plant and Y plant and Z plant, all with different names, they're all going to turn out to grow very similarly to one another. And there's there's really no keeping up with it at that point because you have 
the people in the hobby and the sellers visually identifying plants based off of like what they're comparing their plant to mm-hmm. and it just becomes an absolute mess so that's why in my opinion i think a lot of these um, newer varieties that have hit the market uh they, they definitely should have some sort of accession number or collection code or at the very least just you know a location name for when they came from um yeah. and that's not that they shouldn't ever get a cultivar name because just because it was uh, collected in the wild doesn't disqualify it from being given a cultivar name, even if, you know, the trait that uh, is defining the cultivar was present, you know, bef- before it was collected. But it's just like my concern is the approach that these um, collectors and exporters of, of these forest finds are taking in terms of just slapping a name on it, you know, yeah. and, and just sending it out. Did you, I'm, I'm sure you probably have, but Fraser Cook, did you watch his, his video that he put on YouTube about, um, conservation in Borneo? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. It was, it was a very, um, a super fascinating video. Yeah. And it makes me think like, you know, they were kind of asking for people to come teach them how to grow plants and stuff. And I feel like they really also need to, to learn about the, this part behind it, the ascension, ascension numbers and stuff. Cause I feel like there's just like a lot of wild finds that they're just, Oh, we'll call it this. And, or the brokers between they're the hunters or the brokers might name it, whatever they want to, because I think Fraser told me there's a plant that I have. that's a verticillata, but he said that the, the brokers or whatever didn't want to name it that because people think that that's boring. So they gave it a location name, but really it's a verticillata right. kind of thing. Poor, poor Verticillata. Right. <laughs> poor Verticillata. It's just like getting so overlooked and just like having a, the opinion that it's boring is just so sad because sad. of all the synonymization. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, I totally agree with you. I, I, you know, I don't think it's happening with like malicious intent. I don't think that like, you know, these collectors and, and exporters overseas are, are, you know, naming these plants in an effort to confuse all of us. But I, I, yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, a lot of those people probably do could benefit, you know, from some, from some help uh, in terms of the nomenclature and how it works and what might be the most, uh, for the sake of clarity, you know, the best way to approach introducing forest finds into the greater market because yeah. when when none of that stuff happens then we are where we are today where you know there's just absolutely no telling where any of the stuff is coming from uh you can't trace it anywhere you know really easily at least because there's not any sort of code or number on it and so yeah it, i mean it just it just creates a mess absolutely and you know for for us like one of the important things about understanding this especially for like adam and i is because you know we have a shop and we are collectors but we're also sellers and on that end we don't want to cause more confusion by being a seller who participates in the market names and things of that nature, you know? And so Rachel and I had had a conversation at one point because we have, you know, we went through this craze last year of collecting all of these La Canosa because we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> who knew there were so many La Canosa out there. Um, and at one right. point from Aura, we acquired about five different um, silver La Canosa that were wild collected. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we didn't, we didn't know if that was something that we should even share with other collectors just because they don't have 
you know, like a specific name behind them or anything like that. And I was asking Rachel about it and we have, you know, specific numbers tied to them. And um, we decided to share them, you know, with other collectors, but keeping those numbers, sharing with them, hey, you know, make sure you keep those numbers, that's important. And then logging all the people who we share that with. So in the future, depending on what happens, we can share with them, you know, updated information and things of that nature. But um, you know, I had shared with her, what do you think is the best way to, to label these without giving it a market name? So we just have them as, you know, Hoya Lacanosa Silver, no ID, and then the um, the number that we've, you know, tied to them. Do you think that's an okay approach or is there anything that we could be doing even better? No, I mean, I, I applaud you guys for that approach. Um, I, I really can't even tell you how admirable it is to see, you know, just that level of care put into uh, what it is that you are entering into circulation. Because uh, like you mentioned, you know, like as a seller, there is, or at least there is supposed to be, you know, um, a, a bigger obligation and a bigger burden of accuracy when it comes to, you know, the greater market and the hobby as a whole. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's wonderful. I think that is absolutely wonderful. And um, I I mean, I would recommend that approach to others, you know, if they find themselves in a position to where they're trying to circulate material. And if you have, you know, at least the bare minimum of information on it, it doesn't hurt, you know, to catalog that stuff Mm -hmm. so that, uh, it can be it can be traced, you know, it can be kept up with and that, um, like you said, you know, you're not contributing to the mess that's already here. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's brilliant. You guys are killing it. Oh, well, thank you. I tried to get Lydia to sell my favorite one as Hoya Lacanosa no, Santa's pubes, but she didn't want me to. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry, I always have to take it there. <laughs> no, we always have fun in, in our group texts naming our our Hoyas these funky names. <laughs> there was one that was the Abominable Snowman's mm-hmm. something. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Arsehole. Yeah. Some, Dumbledore's. Something beard hairs was in there too. Um, But one thing I did want to ask you, you know, I feel like when it comes to say, you know, Silver Lacanosa, one that I feel like I saw really early on when the Lacanosa kind of craze was happening was Luisa Silver. And that makes Mm -hmm. me wonder, you know, of these Lacanosa that are out, that are circulating, um, do you know which ones are actually like recognized cultivar or like published cultivar? Um, So it's tricky because... Mm -hmm. I would say, like, due to the lack of any sort of, like, cultivar registry for the Hoya genus mm-hmm. or any sort of um, actual, like, I guess, like, formal form of organization on all of these different cultivars and crosses and, um, you know, seedlings, uh, you know, it, it's it's almost impossible to be able to have that sort of level of clarity where you could go through and and say, yes, this one is, you know, legitimate. This one has been published in whatever form, because sometimes things, cultivars can be published accidentally, which I think is a little mm. comical. But, um, <laughs> um, but, you know, and and so there isn't any sort of 
uh, unity in this like big system of it. So I would say that most of the cultivars which have been around for a while, um, particularly some of the ones from like Costa Farms that have been in uh, circulation for many years, um, those are legitimate. Um, I'm personally unsure about really, you know, any of the newer material, um, mm-hmm. even the ones that, you know, have names and are forest finds that have been, you know, traced back and confirmed to be wild collected. Because um, like I said earlier, you know, just a wild collection doesn't disqualify material from being given a cultivar name or being treated mm-hmm. as a cultivar. And so it's this like weird, um, you know, muddy area where you know, there's just no telling whether, you know, some of these collectors or sellers have inadvertently published these names, you know, as a cultivar or or not. So honestly, it's like the Wild West with the Lacanosa clones right now, you know. (laughs) Okay, well, you did mention Costa Farm. So now I'm taking this chance to ask you because in my mind, you're the expert. The difference between Royal Flush and Snowcaps, like, and I know that Snowcaps is a Costa Farms cultivar. Yes, I, 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 I truly I, don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can't remember if both of those originate from the Costa growers. They might. They I very think they well do. But you know um, what? I didn't. They was. I'm sorry to interrupt you. It was listed on their no, website no, no, no. at one point because when I would Google you know, where everyone goes for information, it would pull up Costa's website. And it said like that they recognized that the Royal flush was like a strand of maroon stems that they just saw mm-hmm. and, and um, replicated over and over again. Mm-hmm. So that's how they named it that cultivar. But then that website's gone now that, that page, I can't find it anymore. Man, that's a tragedy. Um, I, I, I can remember that there is there's an issue of stemma from um, before the revival, so from several years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend Anton Jones, he did an interview with a grower at Costa, and I believe that they discussed the Hoya Lacanosa cultivars. Okay, well, um, I'm gonna go find and that. And so, yes, I, I, we all do because I need to brush up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't in the that I, wasn't like, in the itinerary. I just threw a curveball in there because that's what I do best. Oh no, <laughs> it's okay. I'm like kicking myself for not remembering it though because I, I I read that recently. Well, if you if you come across it again, but we will also look. But if you do, just send us a little note. We'll include it in the show notes. Perfect. That sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so kind of jumping ship to Croniana. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, when I feel like it was maybe about two years ago is when this big shift started happening. If I remember correctly, just looking like on Facebook and being a part of those groups, how everyone started saying, hey, Croniana isn't Croniana anymore. It's Lacanosa. And that kind of mindset started trickling to, you know, collectors and sellers, you know, in those Facebook markets. Um, Where do you feel like that kind of shift in mindset come from? Or where did that confusion even start, do you think? Um, So, God, the confusion between these two species. (laughs) Um, It's a loaded question. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, I think the confusion was probably always bound to occur. 
just due to how close the two of these species are on paper. I, I think that the whole shift that you were discussing, I think that probably spurred from, you know, um, a portion of the hobby uh, blooming, you know, both plants or, mm. you know, a clone of something that was identified as Hoya croniana and a clone of something that, you know, we know as Hoya lacunosa. And just seeing that, that I guess, like, at least to uh, our human eye, there's really no perceivable difference between, you know, the floral anatomy, the vegetative anatomy of the plants. And so um, I think that even for someone who isn't aware of the literature, you know, or um, the problem with the Hoya Koniana publication, uh, they could probably even, you know, make the leap to be like, wait a minute, are these the same plant? The cited differences between these two species are usually in most cases considered taxonomically irrelevant, meaning that they don't really hold merit on a species level. Um, uh-huh. I believe that Hoya Koniana is, um, it's only known from cultivation as well. So, you know, it doesn't have a clear type locality or collection site, which also makes things a little bit of a headache because, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's obviously a problem <laughs> if, if we can't find where this plant actually is or any proof of it existing in nature. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, I, I believe that it was said that Cindy Crone's clone, which is, um, if I'm recalling correctly, the material that Dale used to publish a species, it was said somewhere by someone that her clone only produced chordate-shaped leaf blades, which is heart-shaped leaves, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, led down this road of this commonly accepted solid belief within the hobby that leaf blade shape is like, the end all be all between these two species. Oh, so I if it has that. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's not so, so you know, I remember that. it's, that's not that's not a way to, to judge a, a species because that can vary widely from different um environments. Hundred percent, yes. And and that's the case for every species, you know, I mean mm-hmm. you know every plant, not even Hoya. There's you know, we can observe uh, sometimes vast levels of natural variation in just a single species. And so that's nothing uncommon uh, or, you know, unheard of at all. But, you know, that even even like that uh, anecdote about, you know, noticing a difference between uh, these, you know, different clones that people are growing, it's not supported by the publication of Hoyaconiana. So like nowhere in, in Hoyaconiana's publication does it say, you know, this plant only has chordate-shaped leaves, and that is listed as, like, a differentiating factor between it and Hoya lacanosa. That's just, like, nowhere to be found um, on paper, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, like what I was saying is that um, I think that people who are growing the clone that originates from Cindy Crone, who was also the namesake of the species— um, I think that they were observing in certain conditions that the plant had a tendency or a favor to throw out chordate shaped leaves, particularly, you know, growing it really hard where there's a lot of um, intense light exposure and maybe a little bit less water. It's going to cause those leaves to sort of, you know, pucker up in a way where they're not going to be, you know, so long and flimsy and uh, their, their shape is obviously going to change. But just like we see with, you know, normal lacunosa, uh, the same thing happens there. You know, um, I know I, I've grown 
multiple clones of Lacunosa that when overexposed to light and, you know, uh, dehydrated a little bit, will start to throw out chordate shaped leaves. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the, the whole leaf debate thing, I, I just think that that is better off forgotten by the greater hobby, because I don't think that other than a few instances throughout the genus where things are sort of split based off of leaf characteristics, that's an incredibly uncommon or unsturdy floor to stand on in mm-hmm. terms of trying to differentiate species from one another. So really, we should take this moment yes, to forget. I, I feel like we've been doing this a in. lot. We did this in our Latifolia episode and in a Vertisola episode, but we should all take a moment just to forget. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Searching yes. file and deleting. <laughs> but it is like I like you're saying it. It does get very frustrating because if you just open up any Facebook group, any post about this, like you have people who regurgitate that specific information, like mm-hmm. it is, you know, Bible. Like I don't, I don't know how. Like to this s- is the science almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. like absolutely with so <clears throat> much, like confidence in that answer you know being like oh well if the leaves look like this it's for sure croniana yeah also Absolutely. sidebar i was just thinking like what if i owned a plant that was originated from cindy crones i mean i don't i probably don't but it's wild to think that there <laughs> is like there is plant like there is that plant is continuing on and it's mm. spread out and there's people who own that like what Absolutely. a legacy i mean even from dale and ted yeah. and all of that people have plants that were like in their collection sorry that was just it kind of blew my mind when you said something about people still have that cultivar from cindy and i was like oh gosh that's so cool to think about it is yeah it's like you know it's like uh heirlooms you know like valuable heirlooms it's a part of that person's you know life so I, yeah, it's fascinating to me as well. All of, any material that I have that I have the history of, I, I tend to just like love it infinitely more than mm. the ones that I just don't have a story with, you know? Yeah. And I've always, I've always kind of said that too, is like the plants that I get from friends and stuff like that have a story, but my story was more like, okay, well this came from Lydia, you know, when we first became <laughs> friends kind of thing. But then thinking about like the actual story of that like yeah. that goes further, further back. Mm-hmm. Of course, that would that would mean so much, you know. I would be one that you'd Absolutely. be devastated to kill. Oh, for sure, Jesse. I'm looking at you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, I'm not devastated because Adam's my backup. <laughs> I'll just go to his house and take a snip snip. He won't even notice. Yes. Insurance cuttings and good friends. Yeah. I did that yesterday. I I texted Adam and I was like, how do you feel about eight new plants? And he was like, uh, yeah. And so I went, I went around. I was like, "Mm, which ones are my most valuable plants that I should cut and give a piece to Adam so they'll be around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or that, that elliptical you posted, um, Adam, yeah, that came from me. That's long gone, but yeah. now is a tree in your house. That's right. <laughs> yeah, God, that elliptica is like haunting. Isn't oh, it? it's so pretty. I love it and so much. My it's like, story, it's like a, yeah, it's like a writhing amorphous mass that's just like sentient, you know. Yeah, and my story with that is that Lydia drove to California to pick it up 
to make sure it would live. <laughs> like 1 a.m., she's like meeting up with a random stranger in an alley of Los Angeles getting me the elliptica (laughs) because she knew I wanted that so bad. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's dead. (laughs) It's the effort that counts. It's not dead. No, but like my mind died. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it is. It is a sweet, sweet story. But question for you. So with the confusion, all of that confusion that happened with Croniana and Lacanosa, you know, because before mm-hmm. that, Croniana was very, very, you know, the name Croniana was widely seen everywhere. And there was this shift that happened where people were saying, no, you can't call that Croniana anymore. You have to call it Lacanosa. Um, and one of the things that, you know, we did was, we have Hoya that we acquired as Croniana and labeled them as, um, you know, Lacanosa, formerly known as Croniana. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think is like the best way to approach that as far as like the name goes just to, you know, lessen the confusion or, you know, like what do you feel like is the best thing or the best approach for that? So the, where we are now, is that Hoya croniana is still an accepted and valid species. It, it has not been formally synonymized with Hoya lacrinosa at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, with that being said, you know, I, I feel like, in my opinion, that we should still honor Hoya croniana until, um, you know, the due process is, is done. And, um, you know, the, the formal... Uh, research and work is done to, uh, you know, put out that peer-reviewed uh, paper or publication that officially deems them to be conspecific. I feel like if people got a plant that was originally labeled that came to them as Hoya croniana, I feel like that should be retained, at mm-hmm. least for the moment, you know, um, and a note should be added there where, you know, revision is coming, likely Hoya, or likely Hoya Lacunosa, um, you know, but still maintaining that information of Hoya Coniana mm-hmm. because no formal diagnosis has happened at this point. Mm-hmm. If your plant didn't come with a label, because there are a lot of plants out there floating around that are not labeled or that have, you know, no data or information at all connected to them whenever we get them. Um, if it came unlabeled and you were having any sort of doubts about an ID, but, you know, it's very clearly as part of this, like, lacrinosa complex, I feel like the smartest thing to do is going to be to always fall back on the oldest, most stable publication there. So say if you if you obtained a plant and you're saying, wow, this looks a lot like um, some of the clones of Hoyocroniana that I know are floating around the market, but... It didn't come with any sort of tag. It didn't come with any data. You have no idea where it originated from. I feel like that is a, is a, a case where, you know, it's probably more appropriate to label that Hoya lacunosa mm. than it is to label a Hoya croniana. And that is, you know, that gets into the defining characteristics of Hoya croniana as a species, which I know that we might have wanted to talk about that just to bring a level of clarity there so that we know what actually is it that separates Hoya croniana from Hoya lacunosa. Yes. Um, yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> per the publication of Hoya croniana, and I'll, this is, I'm going to like roughly quote Del Kloppenberg here so that nothing gets confused at all. So he essentially says, 
It is like Hoya lacunosa, except the pedicels are longer, the corolla is larger when flattened, and the lobes of the coronas are larger. And he cites a few um, measurement uh, differences in all three of those points. Um, in terms of <laughs> significance of uh, the difference in these values of measurements, there really isn't much. So basically what I'm saying is that like this species is separated from Hoya lacrimosa based on differences in minute measurements of the floral anatomy. And going back to what we were mentioning earlier, these things just like, they just don't make a species, you know, they just mm -hmm. don't, they don't qualify to say that like, oh, this material is different enough from this other material that it should be a, com a completely different taxon. So due to like that being the, the area of separation between these two, you can just see how arduous uh, it may be to try and identify any plant as Hoya croniana. Um, because basically to look at something and deem it Hoya croniana, um, you're going to have to compare, you know, the material you have in front of you and the measurements of the floral anatomy to the cited measurements on the publication. Right. But as we know, all of these different parts of these flowers, they vary in size. You know, there's always going to be a range. One umble that uh, a single plant throws out might be, you know, noticeably smaller than the next umble it produces. Mm -hmm. That is so true. Um, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it makes this very, very confusing issue where yeah. uh, this whole species is separated uh, on the merit of something that is totally inconsistent. So that, I think, is really where the problem lies. The problem lies in that the species is, is laying on top of, uh, you know, popsicle sticks in terms of, you know, what is actually carrying it as a species itself. And whenever, you know, I mean, it, it, it's like almost to where I'm, I'm like, nothing in this description is um, deviant from Hoya lacunosa. And in my mind, and again, you know, it's just my opinion. I'm, again, not a professional at all. But whenever I look at this, I just see Hoya lacunosa published again. But like a, like a specific clone of Hoya lacunosa, like yeah. published as its own species. And so, yeah, I mean, I just think that that has, is the root of all of the confusion that surrounds both of these two, is that... Uh, you know, one of these names likely shouldn't have ever been published as its own species. Okay. I feel like I'm that emoji right now with the brain explosion. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Which is why I was so excited to speak with you about this, because I was like, I know that he's going to just... Make it make, make sense. It, yeah, make yes. it make sense. Yes. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, you, going back to when you talked about the, the publication of the Croniana, you said the... the Corona, the flattened Corona measurement, the flattened Corolla. Corolla. Oh, okay. So that's the the reflex part, the fuzzy part that everyone sees when you flatten that. Like yes. so, so to take that measurement, you basically just like flatten that out and then measure. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So okay. all of those uh, Corolla lobes that you know roll up under the mm -hmm. bottom of the flower to make it a ball. Yeah, you just have to like bend those out and okay. sort of you know. Mm -hmm gnash on the flower a little bit to flatten it it's like that it's like that little toy 
where you're like blowing it and it rolls out a big tongue and then it rolls back <laughs> like the celebratory like, yeah yeah that's what it makes me think of. exactly like that so i think that there's probably um two different schools of thought with this where you have people that are like it definitely this the croniana publication should not have stood as is as a separate species mm-hmm. Um, and then are there people who are very fervent in saying like, no, this is, this should be its own species. I think you would be hard pressed to find someone who would really advocate on the separation of Hoya croniana from Hoya lacunosa. Okay. I think it's kind of cool. It's cool to revisit that. And for the audience, like, like Vess said earlier, like if you have something labeled, keep your label, like mm-hmm. don't, don't change things based on on even this podcast. Cause I always have that fear of like, you know, I've repeated that whole, like Croniana needs chordate leaves to be like, Oh, that's chordate oh, yeah. leaves. So that's Croniana. I don't want our audience to kind of do that with all their plans to be like, Oh, well this is no longer that. But I think that there will be, and obviously when that happens, we'll talk about it on the podcast. If mm-hmm. it, if it does the peer review, it gets finished, et cetera. Yes. But, okay. This has been so interesting, and we're not even close to being done, but I'm just like, oh, I love this. (laughs) (laughs) But since you were talking about, you know, because you're saying really those minute things that we see that have been published under Croniana, it doesn't really stand as its own species. And so, you know, do you do you feel in the future that you could be synonymized Yes, absolutely. I am under the belief that uh, for sure, probably within our lifetimes, we will Mm. see the two deemed conspecific. Um, And I think that we're probably all collectively holding our breaths for that moment as well. Mm. Um, I think that due to Hoya lacunosa um, being of hybrid origin, I think that um, some sort of like molecular analysis um, or DNA data is likely in order. Um, but I don't doubt that we will see Hoya croniana sunk under Hoya lacunosa in the near future. Mm, gotcha. So when you say lacunosa being a, under a hybrid nature, um, could that have happened in the wild? Are you saying that in the wild, well, obviously you said that, that we haven't found a lacunosa. A croniana. The croniana. Oh, croniana. Yeah. Lacunosa we have. Yes. Okay, sorry. Uh, maybe I'll just cut all that out because I don't even know if I made sense. <laughs> but I think what stood out to me is when you said within our lifetime, and that's, you know, if if we live until ripe old age, that's still a good chunk of time. And so, you know, you had even mentioned um, the, me- the molecular analysis and DNA. I mean, this is not just something where it's it's a simple thing to do. Like there's a lot to go into it before a decision can be made. To do it right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, again, you know, there's also the hurdle of peer review afterwards where mm. uh, even if you do take all the steps, you know, um, if people challenge it, you know, there's... Uh, there's just, there's a lot of reasons to not be super like hasty with just like throwing the work like this out. Because if your, you know, T's aren't crossed and your I's aren't dotted, who's to say that, you know, someone is not going to piggyback right off of that work. And then, you know, basically say, no, all of this that, you know, was uh, just said by this person is actually not true. And this is how it actually is. And so, you just really, uh, there's a lot of formality that goes into things like that, that I think that um, a lot of 
you know, us who grow these plants in our homes um, are probably just like totally blind to. Um, yep. And that's, that, that just makes me think of, um, it makes me think of like that. I don't know if you guys ever heard it, but I, I feel like I often encounter people who um, talk about the taxonomists and these scientists who are doing this work as almost like some sort of like evil organization out to just like keep everyone like um, confused, you know, they'll be like, Oh, well, why did this name change? And they're just, you know, changing everything. And it's like, <laughs> these are professionals. Yeah. You know? This isn't like an evil organization in a tower that's just like trying to make sure you never know what your plant actually is. It's like, in a tower. Well, and I feel like that's yeah. indicative of just like, especially in the United States, and now we have international listeners, but that just feels like indicative of like our world nowadays of like, we don't want to believe facts or the science. We're just like, oh no, we know what's right. <laughs> I don't Absolutely. know. And so maybe that's where that's coming from. I, I personally haven't, I haven't dove into the taxonomy as much as you have, obviously. Um, so I don't know if I've recognized that myself, but it makes me sad that people would. F- I mean, okay. I have recognized that myself whenever I talk about Sansevieria because I'm like, I'm not calling it's this damn Tristina. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I won't give up that one, but I need to because it's like, this is what they're called. But I'm just like, no, my Sansevieria. Um, but yeah, it, just, it has special meaning to you. You know, that's what you've known it as and what you've called it for so long. I know. So, so much I mean, special meaning. He gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Sorry, what was our next thought? But Adam, um, going back to something that I think you were trying to mention, I don't know if you ever successfully were able to get that thought out, but I want... <laughs> as long as you can read my mind, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say that you might have been asking about what I mean by Hoya lacunosa being of hybrid origin. Yes. Like yes. what does that mean specifically? So basically that means that Hoya lacunosa has been found to... Uh, be um, of hybrid origin. It means that, like, uh, at some point in the past, um, two populations of, you know, Hoya in C2, uh, they they hybridized, you know, uh, obviously probably through natural pollinators. Um, <laughs> they did the deed. Brown chicken brown. They did the deed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and so, you know, sometimes you have hybrids which are uh, infertile. They cannot produce offspring and continue the genetics. Um, and then sometimes you have hybrids which are fertile. Um, and so Hoya lacunosa just happened to be, um, at one point in time, you know, a cross of two other things. And then uh, it was a fertile cross of two other things. And then through, you know, time and adaptation and uh you know, natural selection, it, you know, became a species of its own. Wow. Um, but basically that makes it even more complicated to assess its relationship uh, in terms of other related species, because it, I mean, it just complicates, you know, it's, it's more complex genetics that are having to be analyzed rather than uh, say a species that isn't from hybrid origin. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, Let's Talk Hoya family. We want to take a moment to share the exciting news of our official launch for exclusive content, aka Peduncle Pals. Through your support, we will be able to keep this podcast going, but also connect with all of you listeners in a more meaningful way. By becoming one of our Peduncle Pals, you'll gain access to two additional After Chat episodes a month, some listener shoutouts, special events, and our exclusive Facebook group. We can't wait to continue to grow this Hoya community with you Peduncle Pals and hope you join us. You can subscribe via the link on our show notes or our Instagram bio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Off-topic question for you because you mm-hmm. said some hybrids are infertile. There's not a way mm-hmm. for us to really know that if we don't know, right? So you know, because Adam and I, you don't know what you well, don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Because Adam and I, you know, one of our life goals before we die, we would love to hand pollinate a Hoya. And yeah. so, would it be best practice then? to not insert a hybrid into this equation because it could be infertile. Should we just stick um, to species? <laughs> I, I think if you are looking for success in terms of the pollination working and you getting a viable, a viable seed pod um, out of that, I think that uh, crosses and uh, you, you know, mutations and cultivars should probably be avoided, mm. at least in the beginning, you know, yeah. um, okay. in terms of success rate, you probably are going to be um, a little bit better off with just species themselves. That is great to know. You know, not that, not that we've ever even been remotely close, but. That's success. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, just, just mutilating trying, flowers. You know? <laughs> Oh, no, just keep trying. I have um, I have a friend that is in the Philippines, and um, I mean, it's crazy to hear about the average success rate of hand pollination. And um, I'm probably butchering these statistics, but I, it's I recall something along the lines of like, I think it's like his first two hundred or three hundred attempts, something like that, um, were all unsuccessful i believe shit i haven't even got to 10 tries (laughs) (laughs) and the way lydia's patience works she needs this done stat (laughs) right (laughs) this is going to be that that final test of patience for her then i've started telling adam every single time we get a bloom we just have to do it because practice makes perfect you know so maybe by the time i'm 70 if i don't go blind it'll happen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so you said yeah, i can't remember oh, if sorry. that number that i said is like blown out of the water or not i might be over exaggerating even if i'm not that's still an astronomical amount of attempts yes. to make but i think about it in terms of like if that person would have given up right before the one that worked it would have made sense to do so you know like mm-hmm. i logically would be like 
I've done this a hundred times and it hasn't worked. I'm just going to give up. So mm. my advice is just not give up, keep trying, you know, and eventually you might get something that, that is uh, fruitful, you know? Um, also, I know that another anecdote, I, I know this is still off topic, but um, my, my friend that I uh, mentioned, he specifically, I have seen him use, I mean, just an unbelievable amount of pollen flowers to try and pollinate a single receptive flower. So um, I, I, I know a lot of people who have attempted hand pollination, mm-hmm. um, they might not grasp the real scale that it takes to get something that is like successful you know um i mean i i'm just recalling photos of like his workstation and there are i mean it's like a pile it looks like you bought like um a jar of like dried chamomile flowers in the store wow. and just like dump them all on the table but so would the, it's would, like in that situation is you pulling the pollen from all of those flowers and just putting them on like one flower or is it like putting them on a whole bunch of different flowers I think that he is uh, using. He's likely doing groups of the pollen uh, pollen flowers to a single receptive flower. Okay. So, for instance, you know, if he's say he's trying to uh, cross like Hoya binguetensis with like Hoya elliptica or something. So, um, but he also has uh, let's say like Hoya camphorifolia and in with the elliptica flowers that he's using to pollinate he would pollinate one of the receptive banguetensis flowers with basically like all of the elliptica pollen oh, that just he has keep available. Oh, going, 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 and going, going, going. Yes, keep it on going. you got to be the sperm that won then. Oh, gosh. <laughs> really? Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then, you know, then he would move on to the next, the next uh, group of flowers for a different receptive flower. Wow. I think that's how it works. You know, as I was, as I was trying this whole hand pollination thing, Bella flowers, I wonder, now I'm wondering if maybe they're just not fertile, but you know, who's to say, but it's so easy to get the whole pollinarium out of Bella flowers fully intact, like incredibly easy. And I'm like, why are there not more Bella hybrids on the market? Because literally I, out of all the flowers I've ever tried, that one is so easy. Yeah. It just works like a dream. Yeah. Anyway. Good to know. So we are not trying enough. <laughs> no, we to try harder. <laughs> okay. Um, is that is that everything we wanted to say about this specific topic before we get into the lightning questions? Oh, do you have anything else, Fess, that you would like to add? Anything that you anything else you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. Other than maybe just like. I think that at least in terms of like my view on this whole topic, you know, I just feel like this is a wonderful insight to people who might not quite understand why there is so much debate and confusion on names sometimes, because Mm -hmm. I feel like, especially like thinking back to whenever I was, um, you know, just starting out, it's, you know, I would hear about these conundrums about what name was right and what wasn't. And I think to me at that time, just because, again, you know, you have you have a, an understandable level of blindness until you're just exposed to the different right. aspects of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I ever really put any sort of merit into, like, the discussion as a whole. You know, I was just like, oh, this is just like amorphous 
uh, ungraspable things. And I'm just going to throw my hands up about it. But mm. I think talking in like this discussion that we've had and sort of just like trying to, you know, worm our way through it, um, it it's a really good insight into how complicated it can be sometimes and how it can totally make sense that people are so confused about something whenever, you know, at the end of this discussion now, we know that it's because there's really no solidity in this whole mess. And uh, the simple, not simple answer is that there's a lot of work that needs to be done before we can give a simple answer. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that's a very helpful thing to take away, you know, in, in terms of when people, you know, get to these hurdles where they're like, oh, my God, I don't understand this. Or why are people saying that these two are the same? Why are people saying that these two are different? Um, there's probably just like a whole, you know, underbelly to it that mm -hmm. is uh, not super accessible to, you know, the average person. I mean, I know that you guys have talked before um, in a previous episode about, uh, you know, just like the sometimes the inaccessibility of information to, you know, hobbyists and people who are trying to understand this stuff and, you know, break their way into it. And so um, I think that a lot of, you know, the process of trying to understand and research things like this it's not very intuitive um mm -hmm. and you know you have to have a lot of help sometimes to be able to find the information that you're looking for and um so yeah i just i don't know i just think that this is like a great example of just like the the mess that can be made <laughs> in the hobby sometimes you know yeah. yeah for sure and as that as that hobbyist who doesn't initially really care about the information that's out there i'm like oh pretty oh plant mm -hmm. it's cute and then when i do care it feels so big to kind of swallow having the different mediums to hearing it to digest it like i can obviously look up the publication but sometimes it really looks like a whole nother language to me and then sure. having this um format where i can listen to it it's really changed what I understand of it now. And and that was, I think, a big hope of this podcast to to kind of um, digest things in so many formats. Like we have show notes where you guys can read the links. We have this um, opportunity where we're speaking with you and hearing about you and asking like the questions that we might feel like, is this a dumb question? But like, thanks for being available for that because it's just so important, I think, to to be able to have all these forms of of knowledge and, and, and learning. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, you couldn't have said that better. I, I think one thing that like really has, um, one takeaway from this talk with you, Vess, is that you would be hard pressed to find a person out there who dives into publications to say Croniana could stand on its own two feet. You know, that, that really sunk yeah. it in for me, but I also do want to reiterate that, you know, don't go changing your labels, people just yet <laughs> but you know the publications are are in its own beast and they're really fun to read if you kind of mm -hmm. start to understand them and dive into um <clears throat> but saying that just really sunk this whole topic and i think i just swallowed a fungus death <laughs> <laughs> i i literally hit it i hit it on my mic earlier and i was like not my problem and then I saw it go towards Adam and I was like, Adam's problem now. And he was like, I'm just going to eat it. Oh my gosh. I took a big inhale and I just, I felt it. <clears throat> okay. Protein for the day. 
Gross. Um, I repot. I recently repotted my giant heirloom carnosa with Lydia and used potting soil. Yeah, I saw that. And I really, I have seen so many gnats from that. Just yeah, from because the one. The soils are just like sitting yeah. outside, you know, and they're just probably mm. ugh. Anyway, <laughs> yummy, yum, yum, yum. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before I guess before we get into lightning questions, though. Okay, so I'm sitting here, and if you've, if audience, if you've heard pages turn, it's because I'm holding. Vess's book, Hoya Visuals, Volume One. Mm-hmm. Vess, I love this book so much, and I love your photography. I just want you to know that what you do is—it's so beautiful. Like truly, thank you so much. Love this book. So, are you going to be having more? I don't want to be like throwing this out there and then people trying to find it, and you're just <laughs> overwhelmed. But is this going to be something you're going to print more of? Yes, I do think so. Um, I am currently in the middle of making volume two. Um, And so I think that once I have volume two ready to go to print, I'll probably do another batch of volume one. Um, I originally, like my philosophy with this project was I was, I went into it always thinking that I wanted it to be a little bit more like limited edition um, cause I'm just at this point in my life, I'm not someone who I think can keep up with like production, uh, constantly, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and so, um, I always knew that I wanted them to be somewhat limited edition. Um, and at the time in which I put out the first book, I, I didn't anticipate, uh, the response that I, that I got from it. And so, um, I'm now aware of there. Ju- there's just a ton of people who still want the first volume that didn't get the first volume. Um, and so I am, I think I am going to be reprinting that one whenever volume two is ready. And, um, I, I'm probably just going to continue making them as long as there are Hoya to examine and photograph and record, um, so hopefully there will be many, many more issues of that coming out. Yeah. Is, is there a certain, so the way that you do these, these um, bloom anatomy photos, is, is that called a certain thing? You know, like you have herbarium um, sheets, like, is this called something? Um, I, I'm not sure if there's like an official term, um, for them. I, I, I usually will just refer to them as like anatomy sheets. Okay. Um, because... That is, uh, I don't know, that's just like the closest combination of words that I can come up with. I've heard uh, there are some people that have called them uh, dioramas or like plates. Mm. Okay. Yeah, makes um, sense. So I think that those are two uh, words that could probably also be used, but I, I usually just refer to them as anatomy sheets. Okay. Because I've been looking at the Croniana Lacanosa one because you do put a side by side. Um, and yeah. you can kind of see the coronal, coronal skirt or Corona skirt. Um, yeah. you can kind of see like a minute difference, but literally if I was looking at that with my eyeballs and not your beautiful photos, I would not have, yeah. I would not see anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so you, I'm guessing if you do do a reprint and or extra volumes that people can know about this either by joining the STEMA group that you're always on, on Facebook. Well, not always on, but you're, you're <laughs> active in that group. But also your Instagram, yeah. which is at Vespers, which we'll all have linked below. Um, but your Instagram is also full of these beautiful photos that you take. Yes. Yeah. 
I will probably I'll, it'll I'll probably announce that stuff on Instagram. Okay. Um, and then I, I you know I'm part of several of the Facebook groups and uh, what I did for the first launch of that book is that um, I I released it to Instagram first. Uh, I think it was like a few days before I put it on Facebook. Um, and so I think that for anyone who's like really trying to get their hands on it, Instagram is probably the place to go. Ooh, I'm going to um, keep my eye on that because I do need it. Turn yeah. on those stories <laughs> notifications. Yes. I feel like once you post it on stories, I just got super lucky and I was on Instagram and I saw it and I sent you a DM right away. And then I remember texting Adam. I was like, did you, but he was on a cruise. I don't think you got my text because you didn't have No, but service. I think I had already messaged but then you saw, okay, okay, and was like, hey, okay. <laughs> I need one. Give me, give me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. yeah. Oh, and um, I would love to give a shout out to uh, my friend Padamate in um, Thailand. He yes. just came out with another set of his uh, Hoya Anatomy cards. Um, I'm sure several of the people listening probably know, you know, what they are. They're 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 like Pokemon cards, but for Hoya, they're like the yeah. coolest things in the whole world. I always um, tell people but, they fit into an album, a four by six photo album. So you can make it into a yeah. book. Yes, that's my that's my pro life tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I think we talk about that in a episode that's not published yet because I did finally pull the pull the trigger and I bought all four sets. Yeah, I uh-huh. have three. I need so the last one. You did. I know. I think that he actually sent me tracking information like last week. So I'm like, oh, but I'm terrible at checking my mailbox. But it's probably you'll, you'll forget about it, and then in about a month it'll show up. It'll be Christmas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to clear and come through. But that's super. Is that how yeah. you say? Because I always refer to him as Padamate, but is it Padamate? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm right there with you. Okay, okay. I'm <laughs> not just, sure. I know for sure I do not know how to say his last name. <laughs> but. <laughs> but yeah, he is an angel and so, so intelligent and is also mm-hmm. doing, you know, just like some fantastic work. So I, I can't sing him praise enough. Well, same. good. Yeah, yeah we talks feel about the him. same. She's like, I need to stop mentioning him. But I'm like, no, nah, I don't think you do. It's fine. The more people you keep mentioning it, then they're going to follow and, and find his information, you know? Oh, yeah. But also share with us, Vess, you're yeah. also part of, you know, a couple of other things there, too. Um, what else is it? You know, what other projects are you currently part of? Um, right now, I'm also um, a semi-regular contributor of Stemma, mm, um, yes. which is a Hoya Indochitia-oriented uh, publication. And I know that I, I would hope or at least hope that the listeners are already familiar with Stemma because I think that I've heard you guys mention Stemma, you know, I mean, a handful of times on previous episodes. Yeah, so, we're avid um, fans. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, very, very, very happy that Mark decided to revive it. Um, I think it's a wonderful pillar of information in the community. And I love how, uh, you know, the topics can range from, you know, very easily digestible, uh, like, cultivation um topics and then get more into like this crazy obsessive you know taxonomy (laughs) deep dive um so you know you have quite a spectrum of things that you can find on there and um i'm just you know really excited for everything that is going to come uh you know this year for as far as stemma goes 
Yeah. We are too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, you were saying that and I felt like I had something to say about STEM, but I don't think I did. I lost it. That it's wonderful and we it love is. it. I, yeah, do, we I do. absolutely love it. I mean, every bit of Hoya information that I could get my hands on, I'm just like grasping it. Like mm-hmm. STEMA, the Swedish Hoya Society, like all of it. I just absolutely love diving into those new yes. editions. Yes. Um, it, it's wonderful just because I feel like there's not really anything quite like it right now in um, in English, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it feels very much, um, at least at the moment, like this um, this sort of very close to home thing happening um, in the States. And so I just, I, you know, I think that it's very, it's exciting. It's good. It's good to give people access to information that otherwise, you know, might not be exposed to it. And so, um, yeah, I'm just so happy. And you mentioned the Swedish Voice Society as well, which is, I mean, another absolutely incredible organization. I do have, uh, I think I have some photos that Maria used you do. Yeah. in this newer mm-hmm. edition. Um, and then there was a, a few that she used in a previous edition as well. And um, I, I imagine that we will probably continue our, our little relationship. It's, <laughs> I, I mean, I love her and the the people over there. Uh, she'll sometimes just message me and just be like, hey, do you have a picture of, you know, this flower? And I'll either be like, yes, here you go immediately. You know, no questions asked. Or I'll be like, oh, my God, my heart is broken. I don't have that one in bloom Aww, right now. Oh, so, so sweet. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I love I love them over there as well. And I can't recommend a subscription to the Swedish Hoya Society enough. Which reminds mm-hmm. me, I feel like I need to re-up mine. I don't know if they send you a notification being like, hey, we need more money. It probably is coming up here soon. <laughs> but, is. you know, they make it so accessible to everybody, you know, because you mm-hmm. can, yes. they send you the, um, the PDF file and you just have to, you know, translate it to English and then you get to be a part of, you know, all of this amazing information. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, um, for, if anyone out there gets this file, you just have to go to Google translate and you can upload the PDF and it just spits out a new PDF for you. So absolutely very easy. Or make a friend like Adam who does it for you and then sends it to you every quarter. (laughs) (laughs) That's a small plug to get Lydia and I to do that for ourselves instead of being like, Adam, have you translated it? I think in the past when you guys were like, hey, can you upload a translated version? I'm like, guys, it's very easy. You just have to do this. (laughs) No, that's my job. um, (laughs) I can't. If you guys get the physical booklets, um, if you get Google Translate app on your phone, um, they have like a camera option and you can just like translate it right in the moment. That's right. I forgot about that option. I know that. It's pretty fun. I did that with some of the H Mart snacks that I got because you can just, I'm like, I don't know what I'm eating. So. You eat gnats. You shouldn't worry about what you're putting out. Yeah, there's no worries at this point. Uh, okay. Um, so I think we're ready to get into lightning questions, huh? Yes. We always yeah. love like giving our listeners a chance just to get to know you a little bit more in like a fun way and what Hoya you love. Um, and we do it through our lightning questions. So how many can I ask, do you have a big collection of Hoya at home? I do. Okay. I do. Um, now, so we recently, uh, moved 800 miles away from where we were living. So I, I had to thin a lot of my collection. Um, so I don't have, quite as many as I did before we, we left, but 
um, yes, I, it's always been very normalized for me to keep um, uh, probably a concerning amount of plants in my possession. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the estimated rounded concerning number? <laughs> Just to measure um, myself and so see where I'm at. <laughs> Probably at the height before we left, I probably had around 250 different unique species and cultivars that I was growing. Damn. That's not bad. Uh, That's a normal what? range. That's, That's a, a normal range. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, to like the average person, that's like, you know, absolutely insane. Yeah. But to, to, in to good us, company, yeah. uh, no one is batting an eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and now I probably have, I have probably half that with me right now. Okay. But the things that I send out were things that, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the sentimental stuff is the stuff that has stories. So the the, the things that I got rid of are things that I know I can get more of pretty easily. Yeah. So um, your environment that you have these, because I've seen on Instagram where you've posted flower pictures and it looks like you're in a greenhouse. Is that your place or is that like a place you work? Also, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to. I can cut that out. But Do you live in a greenhouse is our question. <laughs> Did you move to a greenhouse? <laughs> no, no, no. That greenhouse is not mine. Um, okay. that, is, um, that is the property of a friend of mine. Okay. Um, and I grow all of my plants, um, like my personal plants, in uh, a grow tent. It's like a, a big grow tent that... Um, honestly, like arrivals the size of my living room. Um, <laughs> you can't, oh, you got like the big made, one. Yeah. With like, like the, the double the doors. And okay, okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so it, it renders uh, our living room basically like uh, useless. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's worth having uh, for the sake of uh, just ease of cultivation. Because, I mean, I'm sure you guys know. I mean, there's a lot of these species where... Uh, you're just going to be fighting tooth and nail to try and grow it in open air in your home, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I usually don't have any of those. I was about to say, Adam doesn't know because <laughs> in his house. <laughs> I would love to have a tent. I just don't think my partner would love that. So bless yours for liking that. <laughs> <laughs> but those are like the Hoya that I love. And so I have to keep humidity here, there, everywhere. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay. So these lightning questions are are meant to be plants from your collection. I mean, obviously if there's something we ask and you're like, Oh, I, I don't have this one, but I know I, this is the answer for it. Feel free to say that. Okay. Okay. Um, but our first one, what is your current pride and joy Hoya? Oh man. My current pride and joy Hoya will probably be the same answer forever. And it is my Hoya Imbricata. <gasps> Wow. Uh, we all gasp. Like, well, okay, well, that makes sense because you're an ant boy, you know? Yeah. And that yeah. one is very, right. like, that was, that is one of Hoya's that's pretty, like, symbiotic with ants, right? That's probably one of the main ones Absolutely. people think about. Yes, I would say that it's probably the most iconic example of an ant Hoya, for sure. Okay, so do you like the domation leaves or do you like when they fold up like a taco? Which one's your favorite? Um, I definitely, I prefer the flattened foliage. Same. Absolutely. Wait, so it, do you? It's just. Oh, sorry. So alien and otherworldly looking. Yeah. 
Do you have yours like mounted? I have to have so I have so many questions. I want to see a photo of it. <laughs> yes, I do. I'll send you. A, I'll send you a photo of it. Okay. Um, I, and we can even include it in the show notes if we want. But yes. I, um, <laughs> I have um yeah I have mine growing on a piece of cork bark. Okay. Mm, interesting. Um and it's it's my pride and joy not only because I think that it it, it will probably always be my favorite species but um it was just a very big learning curve to learn how to grow it properly mm, and yeah. um believe it or not it was actually one of my first hoya that I ever got. I think wow. it was like my second or my third hoya. And that showed you where my priorities were in the, in the <laughs> beginning. I, <laughs> I wasn't interested in any of like the pretty leaves. I wanted like the ant hoya, you yeah. know. Um, and I remember it probably took me a whole year of it, you know, threatening me with death uh, on a regular basis before <laughs> I started to be able to, you know, grow it really well. And so now every time I look at it, I just like get like this overwhelming sense of pride that it Aww. is like, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put that back on my wish list. I'm ready to try again. I don't know. I don't think that's one for you. I'm sorry. I love you, but I just don't know. <laughs> no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I don't they're care. Very, they're very fickle. <laughs> they are. They really are. I, I've killed like you two of this, them. You got this, babe. You got this. Thank you. Um, so have yours just flowered? Yeah. We're spending a lot of time in this one lightning question. Sorry, but has yours flowered? <laughs> no, it's okay. No, my personal plant has not flowered. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they, um, I believe that they are probably one of the most difficult species in cultivation to get to bud up and bloom for you. If I were to say, huh. um, I mean, probably a step under things like, you know, the areostemas, but um, in terms of, you know, just casually growing it to get it to flower, um, I think you really got to put some elbow grease in. Okay. Mm. All right. Next question, which might actually be the same answer. What is your most picky or finicky Hoya? Mm, that is a good question. Probably, um, man, I would say my most picky Hoya, probably one of the thin leaf Hoyas. Maybe I have um, I have a, a clone of uh, Hoya mapigera that was collected in Borneo, um, and at least I think it, it was in Borneo. Um, and it is just a drama queen, to say the least. Um, it, it loves to yellow up its foliage for absolutely no reason at all. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, along with just the normal things that come with some of the thinner leaf species, like, you know, pitching a fit if it gets too dry. And, Sounds like know, a thin leaf I mean, hoya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love them. Are, I love thin leaf hoya. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, they are, they have become some of my favorite. Yes. See, see. Everyone's okay. joining the club. Well, not me because sure. I don't want to. I don't want to give them humidity. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mapigera is so Lydia. You have that one. Mm-hmm. Has yours? Yours just flowered. Is that the one that lasts like over just overnight and mm-hmm. that's it? Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to glance at it that night or by morning it's already closing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Has yours yeah. flowered? Mine has not yet. Oh really? Flex. Yeah. <laughs> 
Once I haven't starts. I haven't had the the Mafijera for too long. Okay, okay. Um, it's something that I have gotten more recently, and I think that's probably why I'm still trying to figure out what it is that yes, it's, yes. it's looking for for me. But um, I mean, it, it's fine growing leaves, but I think I think like everything else that I grow, I grow my plants very hard, so they get probably too much light, all of them, and they. Uh, probably get a little bit too dry than they're supposed to mm. um and Same. i do that half out of laziness <laughs> but half out of like um realism as well because a lot of these plants um they're not catered to in in the wild and yeah. there's no one there making sure that you know they're getting watered when they want to be there's no one there with a shade cloth over top of them mm-hmm. to make sure they're not getting burned and Love so that. um yeah to me it's just like um i don't you know i, I don't mind seeing you know, some ugly plants. Yeah. This reminds me of like, you just telling your plants, like, this is how your ancestors lived. So you're just going to have to suck it up. <laughs> Get used to it. You're not, yes. you're not a pet in the home of a millennials that don't have kids. You are going to suffer. <laughs> right. Once she starts, when she starts blooming, it is never ending. So really? Yes. I can't wait for it to happen for you. Oh yes. That's, that's something I look forward to. <laughs> Okay, so the next thing is you have to leave your home in an emergency, and you can only grab one plant. What is the plant you're going to go for? I know. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to do this to you. (laughs) Who's your favorite child? (laughs) It's cruel. Um, Probably, I got to say probably a Hoya Surasana. Oh, oh, it's because it's gorgeous. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Has yours flowered? Mine has not flowered yet. No. I just can't wait to see those blooms in person one day. Oh my god! Oh my me goodness! Either. Those leaves—it's gorgeous. Yeah. You told me last time it looks like a lemon tree leaf. It does actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's one that I have like no plans to ever cut. Okay. <laughs> I'm never touching that plant. I'm I'm like letting it become a bush. You know? yes. yes, yes, it is gorgeous. I hope yours blooms for you. Oh, me too. That's like <laughs> I think that's probably at the top of like my wish list right now is to see yes. the surface on a bloom. Yes, and then to see like what color you're gonna get, unless you already know what color yours is. I don't. Okay, okay, it's that mystery. Oh, that's exciting. all right what is your favorite hoya to sunstress or favorite sunstressed hoya um my favorite sunstressed hoya is probably my hoya peninsularis i'm sorry we're all just i'm googling as you said this hoya i want to see it yeah so it um it used to be in the trade as hoya species parak teddy bear oh Oh. Yes. Did that go through a name and, change? Um, um, well, I think that the material that was circulating as uh, Hoya species proc teddy bear, mm-hmm. um, I think that that was either it was either identified um, when as Hoya peninsularis, whenever peninsularis was published, mm-hmm. because peninsularis is still a relatively new publication, um, mm. or that uh, I. I I, I'm actually unsure. I was going to say, I don't know if the, uh, the actual clone that's called Hoya species Parak teddy bear was the type specimen or not. Um, 
that's yeah that's something that i have no idea about so i should probably stop talking about it (laughs) (laughs) sorry i had i had to ask i was like whoa did that change well i mean (laughs) no 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 no, it's okay doug chamberlain mr vermont hoyas did say that there's two different ascension numbers for this plant but it's uh, in October 2020, it was published as Peninsularis. So you're mm. relatively yes. new. Yeah. 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 Great. Those flowers yes. are so cute. And, and it's one of those ones that looks like um, kind of like it was around with the dinosaurs. Like, um, yeah, it's very Jurassic looking. Yeah, very Jurassic looking. Um, like the Clemenciorium too. Yes. And... Most of uh, Peninsularis that I see in the hobby, um, I don't really see people sunstressing them very much. But that is true. Um, I have just like obliterated mine with light, and <laughs> it. I mean, <laughs> but it is like when I tell you, it is just like it is vibrant red, and so it's one of my it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I have oh. a picture pulled up of one that's vibrant red, and I'm like, Beautiful. I need this, and I need to sunstress it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. What? Well, we skipped that we're one. We're gonna skip that one. Yeah. Okay. So, the next lightning question: You're the most drool-worthy Hoya foliage. So, which Hoya of yours has just? You just look at it and you're like, "Oh my leaves. gosh!" Yes. Man, that is gonna be a tie between Hoya Vestigi oh. and um, Hoya Globulosa. Oh, I think oh. highly agree. Both of those, yeah. You like the, you, so you like both the furry of those boys, are just huh? Gorgeous. Yeah, fuzzy. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, same. I'm I'm looking at my vestigii now, and I'm just like, I need you to flower. Just like yours. We all recently what? acquired um, one. <laughs> That is at Adam's really? house. Yes. No, I bought one and brought it to Adam's house because I knew I wouldn't keep it alive. And now it's thriving. What um unusual flowers though, right? They are. Yeah. But even yeah, you're right. Like the foliage on its own. It's gorgeous. It's undulated. It's big. It's fuzzy. I'm gonna go touch it. Yeah. <laughs> But sometimes, okay, I don't know if you guys think this, but sometimes I look at the foliage and it reminds me of a green mealybug. It reminds you of what? A mealybug? A mealybug? Just because it's... Like the shape of it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. But then it's just so gorgeous, you know, so... Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, kind of in the same line. What is the Hoya with your favorite flower? Oh, man. My favorite flower. My favorite flower is probably, again, another tie between Hoya Ruthie and I got to say probably Hoya Desisup. I, I can never know how to say that. Is that the whisk <gasps> one? Yes, the whisk one. That is, the yes. whisk one. Ruthier, though, has some very, um, though, that that type of flower always kind of freaks me out. They're very, very alien looking almost, yeah, I feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I kind of love yeah. those. Um, it's the, yeah, the Ruthier, not the Ruthie. Ruthie is uh, a cultivar of uh, a, a, the area of stem section, but Ruthier. Um, that 
it, it's so delicate looking and wispy and I don't know. There's something about the tiny little dainty Corona and it's just beautiful. Uh, both of those species, Hoya ruthiae and uh, Hoya descus, I'm not even going to try to say it anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I photographed both of those recently. So, did you? Those, yes, those two. anatomy sheets are coming. <laughs> yes, oh, for volume two. That's exciting. <laughs> that's so exciting. <laughs> um, okay. I, I'm going to ask this one, but some of the, some of the Hoya. So the question is the stinkiest Hoya flower in your opinion. I'm prefacing this by oh. saying I can't smell some Hoya flowers that people think are stinky. Like the Matilda, mm-hmm. uh, Matilda, or however you say it, don't smell anything. Mm-hmm. Pushkaliana, no scent whatsoever. Species affinity, Bertinet, no scent. Like my nose just does not pick up any of that. This is very interesting because my partner, he also cannot smell uh, Acanthostemma section Hoyas. So Huskiliana, Species of Finis Bretonniae, uh, Memoria, Cantiana, uh, he, yeah. he can't smell any of them. And I wonder if it is like some sort of gene or some, some sort of genetic difference that well, some people have where yeah. the scent is just You're like mutated. not detectable to you. My, I feel like my nose is protecting <laughs> me because people say how awful they smell. But but Rachel, um, her episode hasn't come out yet, but she also said that, you know, Mark was kind of doing some research in, into scents of Hoya flowers. And she's like, it's very yeah. interesting because she's like, well, she said the, the family that you just said. Um, but she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, some people just can't smell those. Interesting. How tall is your partner? Maybe if you're like over six feet, you can't smell. <laughs> <laughs> he is over six feet. Ooh. Oh, maybe it's a credit. tall people thing. Well, how tall are you, Vess? <laughs> oh. Are you over six feet? I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not. Well, maybe that is true. See, I'm no. four foot nine. My I can smell five everything. Three, so. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, what is what what is your stinkiest flower, though? Um. So you mentioned Matilde. I I think Matilde smells like cat pee. That's um, what everyone really? says. That is a terrible smell. By See, the way. and Lydia and I like, like the smell. Like it doesn't smell really? bad to Not us. That it's like my favorite. Yeah. It has a kind of funky smell to it, but it's like a funky floral. Yeah. Smell. Yeah. No, Maybe I, I just get nothing but ammonia. <laughs> Oh, just um, straight ammonia. But I would say that the smelliest flower I've ever smelled has to be Hoya vitalina. Um, to oh. me, this is like, um, this is very crude, so I apologize. But to me, it smells like super strongly and like unmistakably of like semen. Oh, that's, that's what people are like, saying about Matilde. Yeah. Or Mathilde. Really? Or Mathilde. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. That is so wild i like the the internal like um panic and just like confusion that i like felt whenever i had first smelled the vitalina bloom (laughs) i was just like i was just like what has happened in my home you were like i'm just all over my plant There's probably a good chunk of people who are like, that just went on my wish list. (laughs) And we don't kink shame, so okay. Wow. But I mean, it it is like it is like punch you in the face. It is awful. Okay. Loki wanna (laughs) smell. 
was like, wow. I'm like, wow. Jesse's like, oh. I'm like, I want to know if I smell the same thing because I don't smell that on methyl. Yeah. And some people were like, it smells like semen. It smells like semen. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> what um, semen are you smelling? Oya It kind of has like a semen smell to me as well. It does okay. it? Okay. Well, now mine this needs is, to blow. This is turning into a collection. <laughs> the semen <laughs> Oh. Oh, okay. wow. Uh, next question. What's the Hoya species that flowers the most for you? For me, um, probably, I would say probably my Hoya Cutis Porcelana RJ1. That clone oh. in particular, um, it differs from the nominate clone, uh, which has like a little bit larger pale pink flowers. Um, and it is just constantly in bloom i mean i i never see that plant not flowering wow do any of us have that one i, I don't even know what you said but i, I got <laughs> rid of mine cutest porcelana cutest how do you spell it c-u-t-i-s oh okay i was spelling it with an r <laughs> <laughs> oh porcelana like porcelain yes <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, that's so cute. The specific epithet means skin like porcelain and it refers mm. to like the porcelain like uh, look of the corolla. Oh, I see porque el cutis en español is your skin. Porcelain skin. Okay, it translates directly. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no idea what you just said. Yeah, yeah. The cutis, you would actually pronounce that in Spanish, cutis. Not cutis. What that's does that mean? It means your skin. Like, oh, yeah. okay, okay. Is that where the word cooties come from? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> so that one flowers all the time. Well, now I kind of want to get one of those. What yes. does it smell like and it has, to you? Oh. To me, it smells um, almost like, do you, do you guys know Red Hots? Yes. Yeah. Like the cinnamon candy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it smells like that. No way. See... I get a small hint of that with my Kumingiana. No, not Kumingiana. Chinguensis. Mm. A small little oh, okay. red hot, red hot smell. Very faint, though. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. And to wrap this up with a nice little bow. Well, no, because there's another one that I just thought of that I want to ask. So okay, sorry. Just kidding. But for <laughs> the underdog here, what is the most underrated Hoya in your opinion? Oh, man. Oh my god, that, I that's feel like that that's one's, crazy. That one's always the hardest one. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to die with that one. Oh my goodness. I feel like I feel like um maybe something like Hoya platycollis. Oh um, that you- is just such a beautiful species to me. Um, I've never seen it not covered in blooms. Um, And the blooms have such a wonderful scent. The leaves are massive and beautiful. And I don't know why more people don't grow it um, as opposed to things that are similar to it. Like, um, like the, God, I'm blinking. Is, is this, it what lobby? Yeah, lo- lobby. Lobby. Yeah. Is this a thin leaf hoya? It is a thin leaf hoya. It is. Ugh, but it they're is. big. I might overlook that. It's a, it's <laughs> yeah, a great um, grower, prolific bloomer. I feel like there's more and more people that are looking for platycollis. Mm-hmm. I need to get me one before that. Because it really is beautiful. It has a bushy like growing habit. It's kind of anthurium like. Yeah. 
Yeah, the way it just like uh, hangs like a uh, pendulous off of like the baskets and stuff yes, is just gorgeous. Beautiful. Dude. Do beautiful. you have one, Lydia? Mm-hmm, I okay, do. So I'll have one. <laughs> um, but also, I will like add a note to that answer, and I'll also say Hoya Carnosa. I think is very underrated. Carnosa. Just like your standard, just like your standard normal plain green Hoya Carnosa. Yeah. Um, I just feel like people find them boring now because everything else is exciting in comparison. Mm. Um, and they take so long to flower most of the time uh, from like, you know, like a small starter plant that you can get at your local plant stop, uh, shop or, or nursery. And so I feel like people sort of lose their love for them by the time they're big enough to start blooming. But I feel like a well-kempt Oya Carnosa is one of the most like beautiful plants that you can have. Yeah, as I look at Adam's Carnosa in the corner there that's taller than I am, I highly agree. <laughs> yeah. I do love it. And gosh, once they start blooming, they just don't stop. And yeah. the the smell is so nice as well. I just, yeah, I love white Carnosa. Mm. And I feel like there's something special about Carnosa because they've been around for such a long time. And I went yeah. to visit one of my friends in Oregon and her sister had a Carnosa that has been in their family for hundreds of years. And I took a cutting of it. So then if anything ever happens to that plant, then I have a piece and I can reshare it with her. And so, I mean, how special is that, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And going back to like the stories of plants, you know, that's such a special plant with such a history that you have. Yeah. Wait, so correct me if I'm wrong, which I'm probably going to be wrong because I'm not as smart as you, but is Carnosa the name type for Hoya? Is that even what you would call it? Carnosa is the type specimen. Type specimen. Or the type species. Type species. Okay. Type species of the whole genus. So basically forever... Um, if any, any, you know, uh, find in the wild is suspected to be a Hoya, basically Hoya Carnosa is like the ultimate like comparison point, I guess. So basically like Hoya Hoya Carnosa will always be a Hoya. Yeah. The the measure, the ruler. Yes, absolutely. I like Like that. Yeah. The figurative ruler. Hmm. All right, Adam, one okay. more question. Last last lightning question, but you're not going to get off the hook so easy. Uh, so you, <laughs> you're putting on your gloves, you're putting on your goggles, you're putting your helmet because you're going into war and you have to pick your adversary. Is your adversary root mealies or false mites? Oh. Which one are you choosing? Oh, my goodness. Or, or another type probably... of, of um, pest. pest. No. That's worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something worse. that you know of that we might not (laughs) i would probably say i would i would rather deal with mites than root mealy bugs really i agree with you yes i agree really this coming from the flat mite hater 101 yeah yeah so i feel like with mites at least um you can keep a semi-decent visual on the population that you have that you're currently treating you know um and it also i feel like it's just a little bit less invasive on the plant because a lot of the treatments are you know just like foliar applications of um certain you know regimens but with root mealies what I'm really not trying to do is like restart the roots of my entire collection. That's like what I really mm. don't want to do, you know. 
Um, and I know that there are like some anecdotal treatments that I've seen from people who swear by either like hydrogen peroxide or like the the temperature method to kill root mealies. But if it's like if it's like a, a, a you know, an organism that small that's like on the soil level, I just don't trust myself to be able to like keep an eye on populations of those things consistently. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like. I'm not someone who's going to be like, oh, let me treat with this hydrogen peroxide and check again in a couple of days, you know, to make sure that and like just destroy the roots of the plant every time I want to make sure that there isn't like root mealy bugs in the pot. And so if I if I dealt with root mealy bugs, I would be like cutting the entire root system off of whole plants. And that is just sounds like a nightmare. This whole conversation. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I I truly before before we before we exit and do our little outro, I truly want to say what an honor it is to have you on the podcast and that this has been enlightening, but also just really enjoyable to just sit and talk with you because you are so knowledgeable and so smart, but yet humble approachable and humble yeah. yeah like you've said all these big words that i know when i'm editing this i'm gonna google because i'll be like what the hell does that mean but like <laughs> i don't know it's been it's been a joy and i coming from me i'm excited for future episodes that hopefully if there's something you want to talk about specifically yes. past this that we can have you back on because you know just like learning from you has been really amazing Yes, absolutely. Oh, I would love that. And I adore you guys. And you guys give me too much credit, I promise. Oh, just, oh no. <laughs> I'm just I'm just like an obsessive nerd about all of it. So we love it. Stan yeah. or nerd. But also <laughs> And also like not just a learning moment for us, but I feel like I mean the hobby has grown so much, right? And there's so many more people out there now that also crave this knowledge and I mean, like you said, it's hard, right, to be able to identify, distinguish, like, what are you looking at or where am I supposed to even start? And being able to have you on here and even share that with our listeners, I think it's just so valuable. So we just thank you so much for taking the time and coming on here and chatting with us. It's really been phenomenal. Yes, you are so welcome. And thank you again for having me as well. I mean, I literally had a blast doing this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're we're all we're approaching two hours, and it does not feel like that. I know, (laughs) it doesn't. And honestly, Lydia has to eat every two hours, and she's not even getting crabby. So, so you're good for everyone. Love it. Okay, Vest, do you mind telling our audience again, even though we've kind of mentioned it most of in this episode? But where can they find you? Um, you can find me on my Instagram at Vespers. That is V E S P I R S. Um, you can find me on Facebook. My name on there is Vespers Blake Hackney. Um, and other than that, uh, I don't think there's really anywhere else that I am. <laughs> okay, great. And you can find all of us at let's.talkhoya on Instagram. And you can also follow us individually. My Instagram is at notdude. I'm at thegreenplant.az. And I'm at perritos y plants. Adios. Annyeong. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.